This is Jason Levant, and you're listening to Blue Collar Yields with Tom Megliaccio. I am here today with former Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver and Michigan man Jason Avant. Jason was a veteran receiver who turned down multiple contract offers to open his Launch Park Trampoline Park franchise. All right, Jason, thanks for being here today. I really appreciate your time. No problem, Tom. For those of you who don't know, we're in Launch in Deptford, New Jersey. Jason, why don't you tell us a little bit about Launch and what you guys do here? So Launch Trampoline Park is more than a trampoline park. We are into entertaining fitness. Most of the time in family entertainment centers, it's usually a lot of video games and things that you still may not get to exercise with. And here we're all about exercise. So we do Ninja Warrior and rock climbing and we do laser tag. And we have trampoline dodgeball and basketball and other games on trampolines. We do have some arcade games. We do have VR and other things like that. And we do a bunch of birthday parties, corporate events and things like that in Deptford, New Jersey, Del Rand and Newark, Delaware. So it's a fun business overall. I enjoy it. I enjoy watching the kids smile. And when they come into the facility, them forgetting about reality for a moment, we're just like Game of Thrones for an adult, right? We're trying to get you to escape reality for just a moment and focus in on what we're doing here. And that's fun. So on this podcast, we talk about real estate and entrepreneurialism. My first question is site selection. What was appealing about the three sites you selected? And are they all the same in terms of demographics, income, and other metrics? Or are they all unique in their own way? They're unique in certain ways. This is my flagship store. I actually live in Gloucester County, so I understand like the traffic patterns in our local area. So that was a big factor for me. I understood, like, of course, we did a market research study. And we know what we need in order to be viable in this market as far as household income, how many families, how dense it is in this particular area. But it didn't really tell the story because this is a throughway for most of South Jersey and Philadelphia because you have to pass this in order to get to the beach. People are used to stopping in Deptford for some reason, whether it's to go to a movie theater and everything south of us. When you talk about Cumberland County, Salem County, they have to come this way because there's really nothing there. So I thought this was a home run selection and I was right about this store. The other store in Del Ram, it's kind of landlocked a little bit. So it was more of a gamble, but the demographics show well. And hopefully in the next year or so, we'll see that one increase even more. And Newark, it was a store that I opened in. I just bought it from the original owners. They don't have great demographics. Matter of fact, the store shouldn't do as well as it does, but it has a name for four or five years there now. And people are used to traveling long distances in that area. And it's in you know, a rent's low. So that's the biggest reason I chose the one in Delaware is because the rent is dirt cheap and it's beneficial for us there. So you worked at the one in Delaware a year before opening the flagship. Yeah, right? I used to work in the parks even when I played for the Eagles. Um, in the off seasons, really? I would go and I would go and learn as much as I could in the off seasons, learn how to handle the POS system, learn, you know, back office book and birthday party scheduling different things of that nature, because I'm not a novice in believing that, okay, I came out of football and now I'm just going to run this business. It doesn't happen like that. You have to put your time in. And I also would go to other businesses using my name, of course, and they would allow me to see things that I normally, most people wouldn't be privy to. 
And I fell in love with it, being in the store, like interacting with customers, making people happy, giving them that ability to escape whatever they're going through for the moment. So when you were working at the store before you opened it, what was the biggest takeaway that you were like, oh my God, I never even would have considered this or that? Just like the bookkeeping and accounting portion of it, right? This is a business with hundreds of thousands of transactions in a year and more. So the bookkeeping aspect has always the challenge in a store like this and also the employees because we have 60. Most of them are part-time, but it's a lot to manage. And you're dealing with high school kids, right? So high school or people with their first job experience, that's our workforce. So with that being said, you have to create systems that are user-friendly for them. And also you have to overstaff because most of the time a high school kid isn't the most reliable. So those things were some of the biggest things that I've learned, like making sure that we have detailed books and also learning how to inspire and manage high school kids. That is a challenge. And I want to circle back on the staffing later, but let's take it back to the beginning. So you'd mentioned, let's face it, South Jersey, Eagles country, you're a high profile guy. Were you nervous about opening this? Were you kind of like, oh my God, if, if this doesn't work out? Outside of the money thing, was there kind of like, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to be a little embarrassed? And if so, how'd you overcome that? Of course, because this business is a pretty big investment. So all of our facilities are 30 to 35,000 square feet. And you can only imagine what that costs in retail space. I have two stores that are retail. You have to guarantee that especially when you're dealing with a startup, because that's what it is. Even though it's a franchise, it's a small franchise, a startup to most. And then the time that I got in, I was negotiating this contract in 2015, 16, right? It took me a year to negotiate this lease. Retailers, landlords were like a trampoline park. Like, how are you guys going to pay the rent? Because they were so accustomed to TJ Maxx and Burlington and Ross or Hobby Lobby or what have you. And to convince them that we were a viable business, I basically had to show them, hey, Amazon is kicking your butt right now. And eventually, most of these spaces that you have available are going to be vacant because the retail shopping is going away. So I was able to convince this landlord, and um, it kind of worked out pretty well. But at the same time, it took a lot of courage and perseverance, right? It did, because I risked everything to do this. Like I played in the NFL. This is something that I risked to do. I rode the chips on myself. You know what one thing is, is that I love my college coach because he always gave us food for the brain. And he talked about Theodore Roosevelt. And I love his man in the arena quote where it talks about like the critic. They don't matter. Critics don't count. It's the person whose face is marred with blood. The person that's in the arena who knows what it's like to win the victory and the agony of defeat. It's that person that should be respected. That person who needs to be admired. Not the person that's sitting on the couch saying, you know what, what if he fails? He's going to look bad. So I don't want to allow that person or anyone like that to affect my thought process. I believe in it wholeheartedly and I approach it that way. And so far it's paying out. Tomorrow is unpromised. We don't know. It could go down. If it does, I'm a smart guy. I'll figure it out. Uh, are you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? Gary, yeah. Uh, one thing that he says that resonates with me is ignore the booze. And you being a professional athlete would know this. They come from the cheap seats. So yeah. your teammates, people that know what you've gone through, they all have your back and support you. It's the people from the outside that don't know you or what you're about that have the most to say. 
So the Deptford site averages, correct me if I'm wrong, five to 7,000 people every week. It's right. a lot. It all depends, like, the time of the year. But during our busy season, it can get that high. I would say it would be somewhere between three and 6,000, somewhere in there. But it's still That's a lot crazy. of people. On a Saturday, we've had a line past almost Olive Garden multiple times. Actually, this past week, it goes through the line is out the door sometimes. It's been a blessing to see. Sometimes overwhelming. But this store is such a well-oiled machine. We've created We found out all the processes that we need for this particular store. The other stores don't run as efficiently as this one yet because they're still in the growth mode. You have younger employees. The great thing about it is, is that when we started in 2017, we hired 15 and 16-year-olds. And now those kids now are older and they still want to be here. They come from college and still work shifts. So they know the business and they know how to operate it. So it helps this store a bunch. So we can handle a Saturday where we have 1,500 people in here on Saturday. We can handle it and we have 29 birthday parties in one day on a Saturday. We're able to handle all of that because the staff is used to it. And the other stores, they're getting used to it. So how are you keeping launch fresh and making sure that not only the people leave happy, but you want them to come back again and again and again, right? Yeah. In our business, you can't get stale. This is the family entertainment industry. And this industry is always evolving. It's just like technology. Something that was popular yesterday is not going to be popular tomorrow. So you have to have a goal and a vision to be adaptable. Get items in your facility that can be easily changed. And that's how you kind of stay fresh and always think about all of your space, your usage of space. This building has 26 to 28 foot ceilings in certain spots. So we have a lot of air real estate that we can take advantage of. And we already have plans for the future to do things like that when what we have becomes, you know, a little bit stale. And we change our stuff. You have to change our stuff every two to three years. You have to in this facility and you have to be willing to put the money back in the business, not always in your pocket. And I think that's the successful model, family entertainment. Every other business is different. But for this business in particular, you have to change. Because I remember, what, three years ago, everyone was enamored with just trampolines and just doing trampoline equipment. Now no one's going into a place that has only trampolines because everything is a hybrid now and it's a family entertainment center. You have to draw from multiple attractions in order to win people over now. So does American Ninja Warrior and all that, people see that on TV and they want a version of that? Yeah, anything that's in public sight is beneficial. There'll be someone soon that's going to put a skate park in one of these places. Now, I don't want two high-risk injury things for insurance, but people are doing that. When you have a zero-gravity room or anything like that, anything that's new, people will do. So anything that's on TV big thing that's on TV now is esports. Esports is becoming bigger and bigger. So there's facilities around the country and we consider each day, how can we intertwine esports with it? So there's multiple different layers to the Family Entertainment Center. Yes, but Ninja Warrior, anything that's on TV only helps you. It helps you in arcade sales. If you get the newest, latest movie out in the screen, if your items are frozen to items, you're going to sell more. It's anything that's in public sight, entertainers and entertainment control our business so how are you keeping up on these things are you going to different retail centers do you walk around a lot visit yeah. other places yeah i scope out everyone i know every entertainment place from here to all the way up to boston all the way down to florida miami I mean, i've been in pretty much every one of them and we have conferences all the year there's a laser tag conference there's ces there is 
IAPA, which is our biggest amusement park conference. There's a trampoline park conference. There's a bowling and entertainment conference. Like you have to know all of these things, know the people in those industries, and you pick from the ones that have been around a bunch. And I rely heavily on older people's wisdom and insight. I'm sure golf, we call her, but his name is Cheryl Bindleglass. She's been in this industry for years and she started in mini golf and, and basically driving ranges and things like that. And she did really well. And now she goes around speaking. She's one of my key advisors to doing this. And anyone that I can glean information from, when I go into a facility, the first thing I look at is the cleanliness of that facility, safety, and also their pricing format, what they have, what they're doing. Like I'm always looking for something. I put in my email address everywhere so I can get their marketing. You do these little things in order to try to keep an advantage. It seems that you're very engaged with your staff. I read that you do a lot of team building, trips, and parties. Why do you think it's important to invest time and to show them that you care? Well, multiple different reasons, but I have a young workforce, right? You're talking Gen Z kids and millennials, right? So that's my workforce. And the one thing that I've learned from them and being one as well over the years is that we do things different from former generations, right? You see in real estate that this tiny house movement. So I'm not worried about being house poor with some big house and I can't go on vacation. I'd rather have a storage shed and be able to go on trips and vacations. So millennials are about experiences. They're about friendship. They want to make money, but that's not the only thing. They're about balance. They're about working hard and playing even harder. That's what they're about. So with our kids, we try our best to appeal to that. We can't pay them a bunch of money. Like I can't pay them a bunch of money because it's minimum wage first job or a little bit over that. It's not much at all. But what we can create is an atmosphere where their friends are, atmosphere where it's fun, atmosphere where they feel self-worth and they're having a fun experience. And we do that by going to Six Flags, having picnics in the park, having staff nights where we have dodgeball tournaments, we have Christmas party at the Eagle Stadium, different things like this throughout the year. We do something every month or two for them. We give away awards, we give away sweatshirts, different things like that so they can know that they're appreciated because we can't reward them monetarily. But what I found out is, is that people will stay with you longer if they feel like you care. So um, that's what we do. And it's not just that. I go to basketball games, cheer competition, tennis matches. I'll go to their event. Like, oh we'll go. God. You can't make every one of them. But as a person, I care about what they're doing, right? It's good as a business owner to know a kid like Lance that's in music and acting school at the University of Memphis, and he's doing well, right? We did his recommendation, and it was pretty cool to see him get in, and he's happy <laughs> now. And when they come back, you know, I have a kid that's a chemist at Michigan State right now. Those things are rewarding because they come back Half the time, if they're not abroad, like studying or doing an internship, they're back at launch and on the off time, like, hey, Jay, can I work a shift? I want to do a birthday party. I'm like, you're about to be, make, you know, $200,000 yeah. a year or more. And you want to come back and work? Yeah, because it's cool. It's fun. Those things are rewarding. So what made you want to be an active owner as opposed to a passive one who just had someone else manage their business? Because I put all the chips for it, right? So when you put all the chips for it, you can't expect people to take care of your stuff. I started off way too hands-on <laughs> to the point where I was irritating everybody in the building. And it was good. It taught us systems and stuff like that. And then it gets to the point where you're over-managing. 
And I got to that point after the first two years while now I'm not in the store every day anymore, but I still handle everything from a distance and or I come in just to have our meetings, let them know what I think, let them know what I'm seeing on the cameras. I'm basically correcting people from afar. So I'll send my text message to the store manager and say, hey, Jill up front, she has her cell phone. It's supposed to be in a box. Give her a warning. If it happens again, you have to let her go. Like those types of things, because we want attentiveness to our customers. So I'm hands-on, really hands-on, but I'm not over-managing like I used to. Did someone have to sit you down and say, hey, Jason, you got to like take a step back? Or was that self-realization? Well, I had a general manager for first two years. He decided to change career paths. And he knows his business in and out. He's like, dude, you're the greatest. The only critique I have for you is that you got to let me do it. I know you know it, but you work like both of us are doing the same things. And there's no point. Either you do it or I do it. And we give each other a break and work-life balance. So we sat down and had that conversation. And it was pretty productive. I read somewhere that you always wanted to open a business. Where did this dream of owning a business come from? I would say playing in the NFL. I did as a young kid. You're thinking about it, but in the NFL, I begin to see like, if I could do everything that I'm doing now, as far as the work ethic, how much I study, literally, I can watch a person walk and tell you where their deficiencies are in their walk. Because I'm looking at people's stance all the time. I'm looking at anything, tips or keys. And that's how I was wired. And I've been doing it for so long. And if I can learn five or 600 plays and new plays each and every week and on the first try, get it right. Like when I begin to see all the work that was put into the NFL and how we were expected to be perfect every time, I was like, you know what? I want to run my own business because I have all the tools. The fight or flight has already been taken care of. The work ethic has already been taken care of. The mentality has already been taken care of. So all I have to do now is focus on the business acumen, the things that I don't know organization, things of that nature. And I can do it. And I felt like I was confident in myself enough to be able to get those done with the right people and the right help. So was it a difficult transition from the NFL? It was to some extent, but I was more prepared than most just because I've been in the store and I knew what I wanted to do. And I gave up the NFL. The NFL didn't give me up. I turned down on multiple camp offers to run my own business. So It was my time. I got tired of getting hit in the knees. I got tired of getting hit in the head. I felt like I was declining as a player. And before it got to that point of somebody kicking me out permanently, I said, it's time. So launches definitely help with the transition? Yeah, yeah. It's fun. Someday I'll probably get back into sports. But this has taught me so much. It's taught me how to deal with customers. It's taught me how to, you know, be prepared. And that you can't expect people to just do things. Like we have this phrase that should be common sense in a business there's no common sense when it comes to your employees or your customers everything should be thought out you shouldn't expect them to just know it right so if you think about it it should be a sign for it and you have to basically leave no area of ambiguity or gray area for your customers and your staff so everything should have a system they should be able to point to it so whenever they have a question they can go to either a manual a sign, a manager that has the right answer for that time. Very rarely in our business do you have a situation where our staff or our customers don't know what's going on because we're thorough in disseminating the information. 
So do you see yourself opening more launch locations, focusing on the three you already own, or will you look to diversify with another business? I would say I'm going to stick here because I have to get one store profitable. It's taking taking a little time to get it profitable. So I'm going to stay here and focus on what I have, making sure the chickens that I have are taken care of. And in the future, you never know, but I'll probably diversify and do something else. This business is fun. It's a lot of work when you're dealing with, you know, 60 employees per store and you're dealing with customers and trampolines. It's a lot birthday parties. So I started off like very, very hungry and I'm still hungry, but I'm starting to see like the light at the end of the tunnel as well. So I want to make this as profitable as I can. And eventually I'll get into other things. I love real estate, probably get into multi-units. The last question, we're going to do a lightning round. So I'm going to ask three quick questions. What was the first job you ever had? Camp counselor, church. Really? Yeah. It's just so (laughs) applicable to what you're doing now. What book are you reading right now? The last book I read was The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. It's a pretty good book. It's basically the entrepreneurial myth about technicians or service people thinking they can run a business because they know how to operate it and they don't see the vision part that the entrepreneur brings. So it's pretty cool. And then who is your favorite person to follow on social media? I don't have a fun, famous person. I would say my little brother, he works in New York. His name is Jamar Adams. Son of Seven is his handle. He's a good dude. He works in real estate development in New York City and he builds high rises and shopping malls. And then he was a pro too. He's a pro athlete as well. So he has a good perspective of life and work. And I, and I like listening and seeing what he posts. Thanks, Jason. We really appreciate your time today. You have an awesome facility. Can't wait to see the other two. Oh, no problem, Tom. Thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If there are more topics you would like to hear about, you can email us at info at bluecollaryields.com. For more episodes, you can search Blue Collar Yields on Apple Podcasts.